Thanks so much for joining us today. Especially want to welcome those who are watching from our Aldergrove campus. I really look forward to seeing you in person in a few weeks. We've been in this series called You in Five Years for a few weeks now. We're, we're looking at what difference we could have in our lives if, if we made some small changes just to the way you think. We're really trying to help you see that God isn't someone who has it out for you. He, he doesn't play with mankind or, or try and mess up their lives. He, he has the best in mind for you, and he thinks really highly of you. We've called it you in five years, and we know that five years is a long time. That's 1,825 days or 130 paychecks. Five years is 873 more variants of COVID or five more seasons of the Canucks letting you down or maybe the Oilers letting me down. I know that five years can seem like a long time, but we know that small adjustments in your life today can make a big difference in your life in five years. And that is why we're talking about this. We want you to make small changes in the way you think so that in five years, you'll be able to look back and be thankful for the decisions that you made today. For some of you who haven't been here in a while, maybe just a quick review. We've been, in, we've been working through Romans chapter eight, and I know there's lots to think about as we work through it. We've based this series loosely on a book from Mark Batterson called If, trading your if-only regrets for God's what-if possibilities. I encourage you to pick it up if you see it somewhere. Through this series, we are learning to really understand what God says about you. Because if you change the way you think, you can change the way you act. If, if you change the way you think and act, then you can really change your life. I believe that if we could really understand what God thinks of us, we would act differently. And our lives would look radically different. How would you think and act if you really knew what God thought about you? How would you think and act if you knew that God is for you? If we could really believe what God says about us, what if, if we believed that it's true, then how would we live? A few weeks ago, we started this in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, where we talked about how we could live if we really understood how God wanted us to deal with guilt. In week 2, we talked about how we don't have to, we don't have to do whatever we're tempted to do. We should, we should submit to the Spirit of God's will for our lives. And, and we know that that's so much easier to do when we know that God loves us and wants what is best for us. Last week... Pastor Jim talked about how we can learn to live without fear. Now, if you ever want to hear any of our messages again or want to catch up, our messages will be will live online on our YouTube channel. They're even organized in series now. So once you finish watching the latest season of Cobra Kai or Stranger Things, you can catch up on some of the messages that you might have missed. Today, we're going to see what our lives might look like if we understood that the tough situations we're facing today are just temporary. What would it look like for us to realize that the tough situations you are living in right now, that they aren't going to last forever? So if you tune out or can't be here for the whole time, let me tell you where we're going to end up today. This is, this is what Paul is saying. Here, here's Paul's bottom line. Every tough situation that you're experiencing here right now is temporary. And there is something so much better to look forward to. Because for so many of us, we have found ourselves in situations that are, that are just overwhelming. And sometimes we act like it's the end of the world. But Paul, Paul wants us to remind us, he wants to remind us that it's just temporary. For those of you who are parents, I'm sure you've seen this or experienced the end of the world with your kids. Because your children have had meltdowns that are way over the top. Because they wanted water and it was brought in a blue cup but they wanted a red one and now their lives are ruined. Water tastes way better in the blue cup. Now you've ruined their lives. And we can laugh at that, but sometimes we're not much better. We just have mature issues. 
Maybe things aren't going well at work. The, the project that you're working on is way over budget. It consumes you. It's all you can think about. In a minute, Paul's going to say, it's temporary. There's hope. Maybe you just failed a test in school. And, and right now, that's all you can think about. We as an adults, we don't worry too much about blue cups, but there might be conflict in your family, a relationship breaking down, but it doesn't go away as fast as you want it to. And maybe it lasts so long, it becomes your reality. Now, I'm not saying you, sh- you should make light of your situation, but whatever you are facing today, that situ- situation that seems overwhelming, that suffering that you think you're going through, Paul's about to tell us to remember that it's not forever. All these situations, you need to remember that it's just a season. So let's pick up our look into Romans chapter 8 and verse 18. You can turn there now in your Bibles or log onto your phones. If you're watching from our website, there's even a button where you can go directly to the online Bible. But before we dive into what Paul wrote 2,000 years ago, maybe a little background for some of you who might have missed a few weeks. The Apostle Paul steps onto the pages of history, not as a Jesus follower, but as a Jesus hater in the first century. He, he had many Christians arrested. He had many Christians stoned. He had many Christians put to death. Then he had this radical transformation. He became a Jesus follower. Now, I think many of us forget Paul's origin story. We, we read his letters and we think, what a nice man, so full of love and grace. But he wasn't like that towards Jesus followers at the beginning of his life. He, he, was, he was Jesus' followers' number one enemy. And then he switched teams. He became a Christian, and then he became the boldest evangelist that the world has ever known, the the biggest cheerleader for the church. He went all around the Mediterranean Rim creating these churches, and he wrote letters, and they make up over half of our New Testament. One of the places that he did not go, but he said he would love to visit, was, was Rome. So the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the Christians in Rome, in this city of Rome. In this letter that we've been in for a few weeks, we call it the Book of Romans. The Apostle Paul explains a whole lot of things in terms of how God relates to human beings and the point of Jesus and how, how Jesus fulfilled the law and how it even connects to his origins of being a law keeper. Now, many think he wrote this letter around 57 AD. So if Jesus was crucified around 30 AD, then and, and he would have written this 27 years after the resurrection. Now think about that just for a minute. 27 years after the resurrection, and there were Christians in Rome not just in Palestine or the vicinity of Jerusalem. There were so many Christians, it had spread to Rome 2,200 kilometers away. Just to put that in perspective, that'd be like taking a trip from here to San Diego. And that trip would have been made in the first century. And at the time of history, it would have taken months to get there from that part of the world. And this message from this sect had made it there to spread the good news of Jesus. It's just amazing to see how this small band of 12 disciples really changed their world, our world, with an amazing message of hope. In just 27 years, this message of Jesus had traveled far. Such a powerful movement in the first century. And it was coming from people who were there, who actually saw this with their own eyes. So let's pick up this letter. Thinking how you could be a better you if we just believe that everything we might, not, we, we might see right now is just temporary. Romans chapter 8, verse 18, and I'm reading from the NLT. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Now, don't forget the original readers of this letter would have read this in one sitting. These thoughts would have all run together. There wouldn't have been a white guy who lives in BC giving commentary on every sentence. 
We need to remember that the chapters and verses and sections and titles were added much later. In this passage, Paul continues the thought that he had in the verse right before this. In verse 17, he says that if we're going to share in Jesus' glory, we also have to share in the suffering. Here's, here's the thread for the passage, before this passage. This is it. There's suffering, but there's glory as well. Paul brings up this interesting topic of suffering. Now, some people think that one of the reasons they know that there is no God is because there is suffering in the world. This is their argument. There is too much suffering in the world, so there must be no God. Because why would a loving God allow people to suffer? This is their conclusion. They're suffering in this world, therefore, no God. Now, I don't, I don't believe that. Suffering is not a sign that there is no God. God never promised us that we wouldn't suffer. He almost promises that we will suffer. As you read this section of the letter, it's, it's almost like assume that you will suffer. Paul says, we'll suffer. Just because there's suffering doesn't mean that there isn't a God. I love the way that author Andy Stanley states this. He says, pain and suffering don't disprove the existence of God. It only disproves the existence of a God who doesn't allow pain and suffering. If you ever said something like, life isn't fair, you know, Paul would agree with you. And he'd, say, he'd probably say you're right, but he wouldn't do anything about it. Because you really don't want life to be fair. Paul is telling us that Jesus suffered, will suffer too. Now, also, don't forget Paul's story. Paul is speaking from experience. Paul, Paul was someone who suffered. He was arrested and put in jail for his faith. And the jails weren't the same jails we have now. In one of his letters to, to the church in Corinth, Paul gives what, what he's been through as a believer of Jesus. He says he's been given 39 lashes five times, three times beaten with rods, stones were thrown at him. He was, he was shipwrecked three times. And if you read the list, he was on the run a lot. He was on the run a lot, running for his life. A lot of people wanted to hurt him for his faith. For his faith. Paul suffered. Now, I have a list too, and my list isn't as, as impressive. I sometimes think that I suffered from my faith, and here's my list. Uh, you know, I worked at a restaurant, and my coworkers used to call me Rev because I wanted to be a pastor. <laughs> and uh, then there was that one day that someone that I don't talk to anymore made fun of a statement I made one time about my beliefs in Facebook. That's my suffering. Sometimes I wonder what Paul would say to some of us who think that we're suffering because someone made fun of us on Facebook. Suffering isn't when someone says something mean to you on Facebook or because of the stupid decisions that you or I make. Now, I know people who have really suffered. I know someone who was in a Chinese jail for 775 days. He was arrested for something that he didn't do, given no rights, and international governments had to get involved. Now, that's suffering. Paul takes this idea that, yes, we all suffer, some more, some less, but there is so much more to look forward to. And he talks about what we should look forward to, and this is it in verse 19. For all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subject to God's curse, but with eager hope. Now, I know that's the middle of this sentence, but let's just pause there for a minute. I love the phrase, with eager hope. I don't know what circumstances you find yourself in, but your circumstance doesn't have to define you. Paul talks about eager hope. What if what you were going through isn't your final destination? It's just something that you have to go through. Well, Paul is talking about a curse, but there's a but. Can, can I even say it's a, it's a big but? Because he makes this big shift from a curse to hope, from the situation you find yourself in, to hope that there is something better. 
Now, we know you just can't have hope in hope. It has to be founded on something. And let's find out what Paul had hope in. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Hope is what we see, but not here yet. Hope is God is control even when it doesn't look that way. Hope is no matter what kind of suffering we face right now, we know that it's temporary. It's nothing compared to the future that we have as believers in Jesus. Reality is, your life may not have turned out the way you wanted it to. Hope says one day, as Paul puts it, we will be free from death and decay. And isn't that what brought us all down, was death and decay? Paul defines this future hope when he says we'll be free from death and decay. That's quite the image. But Paul continues this imagery in verse 22, and let's keep reading. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. Here's Paul pointing towards our hope again. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. In the beginning, as the story goes, God created the heavens and the earth. In this creation story, God paints this picture of a perfect world, a garden where everything is perfect, a a world without sin, a world without pain, a world without suffering, a world we can't comprehend. But that perfect world, as the story goes, was ruined by two people's decision to rebel against God, the very first sin. But notice what happened right after the first sin. It was suffering. A curse was placed on mankind. Sin shows up and suffering follows. Think of all the things that are in place because of sin. Just take a minute and think how this world would look like without sin and suffering. You can't, really, can you? Because the only thing that you've seen in this world is sin and suffering. The only thing your parents have known is a world of sin. The only thing that your grandparents have known is a world of sin. And their parents and their parents, as far as mankind, humankind can remember, is a world full of sin and suffering. Just for a minute. Think of all the jobs that have been created because of sin. Think of all the things we have in place because of sin. There was, if there were no sin, there'd be no locks, there'd be no security alarms, there'd be no police or no lawyers, <laughs> maybe even no pastors. <laughs> you know, what about cashiers? Maybe the stores would just trust us with paying for what we had, or if there's no greed, maybe we'd only take what we needed. Paul says, we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering because of sin. And Paul tells us in another part of this letter that we've all sinned. But because of sin, we all suffer. Sin always brings suffering. We don't know what life is like without sin in our world. But Paul gives us hope that we'll be given the full rights as his adopted children. Now, Pastor Jim did a great job talking about what that meant last week. It's pretty amazing. If if you didn't hear it, you should go back and hear what Paul was really saying about adoption in the first century. But all that sin has brought us was suffering. Paul's telling us that when we invite the Holy Spirit in us, it's just a little taste of what's in store for us in eternity. But when you think of eternity or heaven, don't think of it just as an eternal church service. That doesn't thrill anyone. Someone might want to worship with Pastor Jen or Pastor Blake, but who wants to listen to me talk forever? But maybe a better way to think of heaven is as a world that is absent from sin and suffering. What would your world be? be like without sin and suffering in your life. Now, don't necessarily think of heaven as a, 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 what's physically there, but think of heaven as a place where you have a feeling of home, 
a feeling of belonging, a, a place of, of acceptance, of comfort, of peace, a place where you can always have your comfy clothes on and you never have to wonder, do I fit in? <laughs> let's, pick, let's continue Paul's letter in verse 24. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. How would you live if you knew that everything we're experiencing right now is temporary? That pain you feel because you lost a job, you lost an opportunity, you lost a major client or an old boyfriend or girlfriend or even a parent. That pain is just temporary. Paul tells us that there is hope. Jesus has freed us from the sin and suffering and will, con- will do so even more in the future. Let me pray for you. Father, so grateful, Lord, that the situations we find ourselves in right now aren't forever. And God, I, I pray that we would know that no matter what tough times we're facing, we, we know that it's just temporary. And God, I, I know that there's probably somebody watching today who's just feeling this immense pressure. And Lord, maybe all they need to be reminded is that there is hope. You are our eager hope and that there is, there is hope for our future. So God, be with them even today, even right now. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to go into our question of the day. This is an opportunity for you to think and reflect. Now, uh, n- now that you've heard what you've heard, how might you live? How might you be different in five years? So here's your question. What events have happened in your life that f- felt like would be there forever, but now you realize it was just temporary? The reality is that sometimes the seasons we find ourselves in consume all of our thoughts. For some of us, it wrecks our sleep. It sometimes even wrecks our relationships. For some of us, there isn't a conversation that happens without that thought popping into our minds and maybe even popping into the conversation. The situation that you find yourself in isn't going away as fast as you want. Now, I've been there. I've been in work situations where there was terrible pressure put on the people I was working with. It consumed us. At work, we didn't know if we'd get a pay cut or asked to do something that we, we weren't comfortable doing or even, even, even if we'd lose our jobs. We'd gather together and help each other out and some quit their jobs over the stress that they were feeling. And the best habit we had during that dark season of our lives, when things, when things seemed to be overwhelming and people were just stressed out, we would just, we would just be together. We would try and remind ourselves that this is just temporary. We'd even have a saying we'd repeat to each other. When we'd hear someone having a terrible day or hit a wall again and they were trying to solve a problem that they didn't create and the solutions seemed to go nowhere, we'd say this to each other. This isn't normal and it won't last forever. Now, I'm not going to sugarcoat that story. Many people from that situation lost their jobs. I wouldn't wish that situation on anyone. It was terrible. There was suffering in that situation, but it was temporary. No, we've, we've all recovered. We've, we've all become better people and better leaders through it. We, but we had to remind ourselves that it was temporary. Now, maybe that's all you need today as you face day 1000 of your terrible season. Know that what you're feeling is temporary. Now, you might be thinking, Troy, you don't know what I'm feeling. And you're right. I don't. I, I don't want to make light of your particular situation. I might not know your particular story, but I do know that it's temporary. And I believe that you can get through it. There is hope. Know that this isn't normal and it won't last forever. But also, I want you to know that if you want someone to talk to someone, if you want to talk to somebody about this, about the situation you find yourself in, we want to talk with you. This situation might be tough, but you don't have to do it alone. 
we want to find you some help. If you're watching this live on our, from our website, just hit the prayer button right now. There's someone there who will pray for you and maybe help you with your next steps. Now, I am cheering you on. Know that the sin and suffering isn't going to last forever. Paul says there, there is an eager hope. This isn't normal and it won't last forever. Have a fantastic week. Hope to see you back here next time. Jude, verse 24 and 25 said this, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen.